Before we start today's episode, we wanted to share a quick message. Six years ago this month, a reporter named Austin Tice, who was freelancing for McClatchy newspapers and other media outlets, was detained while on assignment in Syria. On this anniversary, our company motto, One McClatchy, means more to us than ever. As we at Beyond the Bubble and McClatchy's Washington Bureau stand firmly with the Tice family and hope for Austin's safe return. Here's his mother, Deborah, describing the battle to bring him home. We never would have imagined that we weren't going to know anything about where he is or who's holding him. How's that even possible? Across the country this month, McClatchy is raising flags and banners in Austin's honor, helping to bring attention to his plight. You can help too by tweeting with the hashtag FreeAustinTice or sharing a Facebook post in his name as we keep Austin in our thoughts today and every day. And now for today's episode. If Washington wants to get right with voters, it has to start listening to them. Welcome to Beyond the Bubble. I'm Alex Rorty, a national political correspondent covering Democrats for McClatchy. And I'm Adam Wallner, covering the midterm elections for McClatchy's Influencer Series. I'll be in the co-host chair while Andrea Drush reports from Texas. It's the end of the month, so it's time for real, not real, the untruths of August, where we break down the pants on fire falsehoods from this month's talking points on the campaign trail. That's right, Aaron Sharrockman, the executive director of PolitiFact, will join the show. Then we'll get into an update from the Influencer Series with Camilla Molina from the News and Observer in Raleigh. She'll take a look at the top lean of Silent Sam at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. All right, you ready? Let's do it. Does it ever seem to you that President Trump has done more than any president in just 16 months? You can't let the critics get in the way of your dreams. When people are prepared and fight, there's nothing that we cannot do. We have a very different view of what America ought to look like. Our Republican friends better look out. So to all Americans, hear these words. You will never be ignored again. All right, well, let's start today with the latest results from our Influencer Series. And uh, if you've listened to past podcasts, you may remember this is something that uh, we visit every month. And what we're doing here in McClatchy is in, in four states around the country, Florida, California, North Carolina, Missouri, we have this sort of panel of some of the more influential voices from a variety of backgrounds. And we're, we're surveying them on the issues that were identified by readers as most important to them in the, the 2018 elections. And we really want to zero in on the results that came out of North Carolina was particularly notable because it's been an issue that's really been in the news there. So for those of you who who haven't seen this story, protesters toppled a a monument called the the Silent Sam Confederate Monument, which is on the campus of the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And this had followed years of controversy, vandalism. Protesters finally uh, took it down just last week. So let's bring in now uh, Camilla Molina. She's a reporter for the News and Observer in Raleigh, and she wrote the the story based off of this latest influencer survey. So uh, Camilla, what did this latest survey find? So this survey, it was surprising because of the 45 respondents that we got, 30 of them wanted to see Confederate monuments in our state either move to museums or cemeteries or wanted to adjust the law that protects these monuments to have a better path of removing them or relocating them. 
and Camilla, just to sort of take a, a step back here, especially for our listeners who aren't from North Carolina, could you just sort of explain what the significance and importance of the Silent Sam uh, monument is? So the United Daughters of the Confederacy requested that this memorial be built to honor the UNC students that fought in the Civil War. So the original purpose of this memorial was to honor those students. And, and obviously that this all culminated with, with the toppling of the uh, Silent Sam statue by protesters last week. But, but can you um, just sort of provide a, a little background, um, some of the events that led up to this? So protesters have been asking the university to do something about Silent Sam for the past year, especially after protesters in Durham, which is the neighboring city of Chapel Hill, brought down a Confederate monument in front of a courthouse in Durham. When we've seen this... Across the country, and I feel like a lot of this has, has come to a head, particularly after Charlottesville, mm-hmm. you know, where this feels like, I mean, it's obviously this is not just happening in North Carolina, right? I mean, this is happening really throughout the South, where you see these memorials to the Confederate soldiers or the Confederate cause. You know, what is the argument from some of the proponents of keeping the statues up right now? I've, I've seen part of it. It certainly is. Well, regardless of whether you think it should stay up or not, this needs to be like an orderly process, a democratic process, I guess. But what is the argument from the other side right now? Right. The North Carolina Sons of Confederate Veterans, they've always argued that these memorials are a representation of history. It represents their Southern heritage. And then the other side, the folks who really don't want to see these monuments in public spaces, they argue that these monuments represent suppression against African-Americans, segregation, white supremacy, you know, very different viewpoints depending on who you ask. How did the, the breakdown go sort of among, you know, racial and gender lines in this survey? Sure. Of the 30 people that wanted to see these monuments moved, most of them are women. So 18 of them are women. Most of them are Democrats. Of the 30 respondents who supported removing the Confederate monuments, uh, 20 were white, seven are black, uh, and, and one was Asian. And obviously it's it's such a visceral issue. And, and you see it in Virginia, and I don't think this has quite happened in North Carolina and Virginia. It was become like a primary electoral issue. Mm-hmm. You know, Camilla, where does this go next? That's a big question. Um, and I think that's what people are trying to figure out. Um, and they're asking Proponents of Confederate monuments are asking the the university to return Silent Sam to its original place on campus, and others are asking the university to to move it somewhere else. And, you know, the university is kind of in a bind right now because the law that protects these monuments is really restrictive on reasons to move the monuments and how you can do that. So do you anticipate this is something that might come up on the campaign trail, especially as we get closer to Election Day? I think so. Um, You know, the fact that this has been building for the last year, I think it's definitely something that people are talking about. And people have very strong convictions about what these memorials symbolize. So I, I definitely do expect it to come up. Hey, well, Camilla, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. You know who hasn't been silent lately? Candidates running for office. And this might shock you. I know this might shock you. But occasionally they say things that are not true. And for that, it's time to have our monthly segment with PolitiFact. 
We are joined today by Aaron Sharrockman. You may remember him from past episodes. He is the executive director at PolitiFact. Uh, Aaron, thanks so much for stopping by once again. Yeah, happy to be here. I'm glad not everyone is telling the truth, so I'm still in business for another month at least. Absolutely. <laughs> I think your yeah. business model is pretty good here. <laughs> if, I, if I may say so, I think it's a pretty good business model. And especially as we get closer to the, to the election, there's only going to be more and more claims to fact check. And we're, and we're actually going to get to a few of those claims from the campaign trail. But where else to start today but with a tweet from the president of the United States. Last week, President Trump said the South African government is now seizing land from white farmers, and he also alleged a, quote, large-scale killing of farmers in the country. Aaron, uh, you guys tackled this at PolitiFact. How did you rate that claim from the president? Yeah, we ended up rating this claim mostly false, which means that there's an element of truth, but it's highly misleading, takes a lot of things out of context. On the more positive end of the scale, I guess you would say for him from a factual perspective, the South African government, uh, really as a, a response to the apartheid era, is trying to take back farmland from owners in cases where the land was stolen during the apartheid era. So Basically, the South Afri African government is trying to look at land claims where a black family owned the land and it was stolen from them or taken from them during the apartheid era. They were trying to give that land back to the people who previously owned it. Now, the South African government is essentially arguing and saying that we, are, we will pay for this land. So it's really not seizing. But they have moved to be more, more aggressive to say that, like, if this land is clearly once belonged to this family, we want to try to get it back to them. And so they They've been a little more aggressive. So in this case, for Trump, we rated that claim mostly false. Okay, so you rated that claim mostly false, but one of your competitors took, I think, the unusual step and a, and a hotly contested step in the journalism world. They retroactively, I guess, graded a claim that Trump made where he said that he had not made payments to Karen McDougal and Stormy Daniels. They retroactively have rated that a lie. Now, that is a, a loaded term in, in journalism. Aaron, why don't you explain how PolitiFact views lies and, and why, at least thus far, you've, you've stayed away from that term? Yeah, it's a great question and something that I think a lot of people in journalism are talking about, the word, the use of this word lie. You've seen it on the front pages of the New York Times, and now the Washington Post fact checker has deemed a, a statement here by Trump as a lie. We tend to avoid the word, and one is for a very practical reason. It's really ultimately very difficult to get into someone's head and determine their motivation or their motive as to why they're saying one thing over another. The second thing for us is is we do not rate people. We rate statements or claims. And so even if you look at PolitiFact's stories at the very end, it says we rate this statement false or mostly false or pants on fire. We never say we rate Trump false. Well, speaking of providing the information for our listeners about whether a, a statement a politician makes is true or not, we really want to dive in now to some campaign ads. Um, and I, I can tell you, I think half of my inbox right now is full of announcements. It's really starting to pick up. So if you're watching uh, TV at home or, or certainly online, you're going to start to see a lot of these claims. And in the coming months with, with Aaron here, we really want to scrutinize carefully some of the claims being made. Uh, so let's dive into one here from Heidi Heitkamp. Uh, she is the Democratic senator from North Dakota running in a very tight reelection race. She has an, an ad out from mid-August that says Kevin Kramer her Republican opponent, voted to let insurance companies go back to denying coverage for 300,000 North Dakotans with pre-existing conditions. Mr. Kramer, I don't know why you voted to let insurance companies go back to denying coverage for pre-existing conditions. 
Aaron, how did you guys rate that? So in the end here, this claim rates half true, which is kind of the kind of middle ground and ultimately not all that satisfying, but here we are. Kevin Kramer and a lot of Republicans have supported legislation that essentially would roll back the protections afforded to people with pre-existing conditions. Now, the Republicans will always say that we strongly said that you insurers must insure people with pre-existing conditions. There is a Technically, in all the things that Republicans have voted for, there's usually that language, but they stripped away all the kind of teeth in the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare that essentially would allow to keep that affordable. And so what that means basically is the votes Republicans have taken in the past would give insurance companies a lot more opportunity to either charge a lot more or change or alter the coverage that would dramatically affect how people with pre-existing conditions would get their coverage. So the scope of what Hyde Camp is saying is probably too great. But she's on to something when she says that Kevin Kramer's votes would significantly hinder how people uh, with pre-existing conditions get their coverage. Yes, this is an example of how Democrats are going to try and use Republicans' past efforts to repeal Obamacare against them. And it's one where, you know, we've already seen in North Dakota and we're sure to see in a lot of other states around the country. And that brings us to our next claim, uh, which is along the same lines. In Indiana, Senator Joe Donnelly, just like Heitkamp, Democratic senator facing uh, a tough re-election battle this year going up against Republican Mike Braun. Uh, He recently posted a campaign video saying that Mike Braun uh, supports two proposals and a lawsuit to end coverage for people with pre-existing conditions. Uh, so Aaron, how did PolitiFact rate this one? This one's a little better because it doesn't get into the specifics of the numbers. And so Joe Donnelly's claim here against Mike Braun rates mostly true. Uh, so again, Braun and his campaign say we uh, support allowing people with pre-existing conditions to get coverage. And he's saying my, my support extends to these proposals, which codify that. But he's really kind of playing fast and loose, the same as we described in the Hyde Camp Kramer race. Uh, basically, the proposals uh, strip away the protections for people with pre-existing conditions. So yes, they would still be able to get coverage, but when you talk to experts, they say it would be it potentially so unaffordable that it's practically worthless. And so that's the important distinction, is that Braun wants pre-existing conditions in place, but he's essentially removing or wants to remove the regulations that make it affordable and have a insurance achievable for Indianans and and people across the country. So, Aaron, I want to move on uh, to one of the claims made on the campaign trail that really caught my attention recently. Earlier this month in Texas 23, uh, which is a preeminent battleground. It's a district that actually stretches along the Texas-Mexico border. It's one of the largest districts in America, I believe. It's a race between Will Hurd and Democrat Gina Ortiz-Jones. And so Hurd had this to say about Jones. He said, quote, that she had raised more money from Massachusetts than from Texas. Aaron, how did you guys rate that? Yeah, this got our lowest rating, and uh, pants on fire. And really, um, as far as uh, deception that we've seen so far this campaign season, this is an attack that rates right up at the top. I'd have to agree with that, and, and I say that because we'll get into this, but I actually was in the ActBlue headquarters earlier this summer um, and wrote a story about them, and, and to, they are located in Massachusetts. They're in Somerville, Massachusetts. They're not wrong about that, but that's not exactly how the fundraising works here. Yep. The claim is based on money that is uh, uh, being spent or raised on behalf of G. 
Gina Ortiz-Jones from Act Blue, which is a group that supports Democrats across the country. Long story short, it's a, it's a clearinghouse of donations. So it's, in a, it's a way in which Democrats can raise small donors from across the country. And Act Blue essentially acts as like the middleman that then pushes it back out to the candidates that they support. Act Blue doesn't actually raise money. Um, most of the donors who give to Act Blue are not from Massachusetts. But because they're based in Massachusetts, someone could look at the campaign reports and draw the conclusion that the money is coming from Massachusetts. Now, that someone who might reach that conclusion is someone who doesn't spend time in campaigns, but clearly Will Hurd and his team certainly knew what ActBlue was, how it operated. And so really, it's just this is it's just an attack that really is without merit. Just just to be clear to the listener, you could live in the district, could have lived in the district your whole life. You could have seen Gina Ortiz-Jones' website or something and click the donate. It's very easy to do right now. The campaigns make sure of that. And if you, if you do that, your donation would technically come from Massachusetts because of Act Blue. But of course, in all practicality, that's not how this works. Um, and, and Aaron, I was glad to see you guys uh, rated that a pants on fire. And, and this, too, is an attack we, we see in, in a lot of races. And we've seen a lot over the years where candidates will try and, and point to donations that their opponents raise from out of state. But clearly they're, you know, usually it's, it's, San Francisco. Usually right. Yes. San yeah. San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Comes up a lot. But obviously it, uh, more often than not, it's it's not quite as simple as that and takes a little discerning to actually go through and see where all these various contributions came from. So uh, while this is, you know, a clear example of stretching the truth in Texas 23, uh, I'm sure this is one that's going to come up a lot more again between now and November. And, and I, I would guess, quite frankly, that it's just a calculation from the Will Hurd campaign. They know this is false and that people will call it call them out on it they just probably think that they can they can make more hay out of it than fact checkers can debunk it uh, so which is a sad fact of life but it's something we see during campaigns frequently uh, hey Aaron we want to thank you as always for coming on the show you got it guys so while the politicians might tell you something that strictly speaking isn't factually true we here on Beyond the Bubble will do no such thing, especially in the lightning round where Adam and I will tell you something very interesting happening in politics that maybe you haven't heard about. Adam, you're up first. So Senator Bob Menendez, Democrat from New Jersey, might be in trouble as he's facing re-election this fall. Uh, there was a Quinnipiac poll that came out last week showing him up by just six points over his Republican opponent in the deep blue state. And now just yesterday, the DSCC, uh, which uh, supports Senate Democrats running for office, they announced a coordinated ad buy with the Menendez campaign. Uh, Menendez is coming off of an indictment on cor- corruption charges. That case resulted in a hung jury, but he was admonished by the Senate Ethics Committee for improperly accepting gifts from a donor who happened to be a friend. So this is just one more race that Democrats may have to worry about this fall and one more for us to cover, Alex. You know, you blew your 30 seconds there, but it was a very important point to make. So I think we're I think we're going to allow it just this time, <laughs> just this time. I'm, so, I'm still getting used to it. You know, I'm, done, no, I'm no Andrea. I'm you're, no, Andrea. You're, no you're, you're no Andrea Drush. That's that's for sure. OK. Mine, just something that caught my eye this month, two polls have been released that show a jump in support for Bob Mueller and his investigation. One, a Fox News poll, showed an 11-point bump uh, from the previous month. A Democratic firm showed something similar. It's a really important thing. I think in the terms of public opinion, it looked like Mueller and his investigation were on the verge of being discredited, particularly with Republicans. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore, at least not as much. Something to keep an eye on. And I'll, I'll take that extra 10 seconds that, that, that you left. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that sounds good. Between us, between yeah. us. We did it in a minute. 
Okay, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. I look forward to getting Andrea back, but, you know, you, you were pretty good. I think I think the listeners are as well. Fear not, she'll be back next week, but, uh, but it was a pleasure to, to fill in for her this week. Thank you to producer Jordan Marie Smith, and thank you, our listeners. We want to hear from you. So please send your questions and your comments to btb at mcclatchy.com or connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash beyondthebubblepod. Tell us what you're seeing in your battleground states. We might even ask you to call into the show. And make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you use. We want to say thank you to everyone who's left us a review or rating. Talk to you next week. <laughs>